Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett, and he, is, uh, um, he has said in his experience that the high-ranking insider, the high-ranking um, in the corporate leaders, the reason why they are the best of the, of the, you know, in the Fortune 500, if, they, if you make it into the Fortune 500, the reason he says that they make it is because they don't believe in their company. That these corporate leaders would literally buy, you know, a majority of the stocks for that comp company that they're the CEO or the CFO of their company, that they would literally, what he would say, call skin in the game. Having skin in the game. Now I think about your favorite football team. You know, and I, I've seen some diehard Lions fans. Now, typically about the third game and after, I'm done being a Lions fan, okay? You know, but I see some diehard Lions fans. I mean, they're not Fairweather fans. I'm a Fairweather fan, okay? These guys are diehard. I mean, I've got a guy, you know, in my neck of the woods. I mean, I see him every now and then. Maybe you have too. I mean, his vehicle, his van, I believe it's like a van, it's decked out, it's all covered up with the Detroit Lions, you know, with the logos and everything. And I, every time I drive by him, I say, man, that guy got skin in the game. He really, really, really believe in the team. He really believes in it. And so when it comes to your team, can it be said of you that you are all in, that you have skin in the game? And we're in a series of messages, and we're calling it, we call it all in. Because a wholehearted savior is not interested in half-hearted followers of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to look at a key verse here, Luke chapter 9 and verse number 23. And we looked at this a couple weeks ago. Last Sunday, I had my real good friend, Tim Payne. And uh, his wife was here last Sunday. If you were here last week, you, you saw a lot of energy, okay? And just, be un just understand, I don't have the energy of Tim Payne, okay? He is bouncing off the wall. I think he drinks a lot of monsters, um, you know, drinks and, and uh, mixed in with Mountain Dew. I mean, he's just bouncing off the walls. And that's him all day. And by, the, by nighttime, he crashes. I mean, he's out, you know? But man, what a blessing to have him last weekend. We saw multiple people get saved. Multiple people are going to make a decision for Christ. And so last week he talked about, you know, winning the game. You know, let's win. Let's win. And part of it's all in series. But two weeks ago, I kind of kicked things off with this verse. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus says to the disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. You must put all your chips on him. Jesus said, if you want to go all in, you got to go all in. If you want to be a true follower of Christ, you've got to put all your chips in. You must be willing to bet the house, you know, bet the farm, to give Christ all of your life, all of the time. That begins with denying yourself. That means to die yourself. That means to devote yourself completely to the control of Christ in every area of your life. 
You really shouldn't expect God to expect anything less. You see, when, 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 when God sent Jesus Christ, he went all in. When Jesus died on the cross, he went all in. When Jesus gave his life for us, and he wants to give us our life, when he gave us his life, he literally gave it all in for us. And so we should give all of our lives to him. Now to state the obvious, you can't go all in if you're holding back something. You can't go all in if you're keeping something out. And my question is, what are you holding out? What, what are you holding back on? What is holding you back to becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ? You know, denying yourself, dying yourself, and devoting your life to him. What, what, is, what is holding you back? Are, are you a disciple? You know, do you call yourself an all-in disciple of Jesus Christ? Now I can see your beautiful faces. Y'all looking good. All right, thank you for the likes. That looks good, all right? Good, good. And, uh, but what, what, is, what, is, what does it mean? What does it mean to be a disciple? Great question, right? What does that mean? And sometimes we hear that phrase, and, we, and I assume that you know what that means. You know, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. Jesus talked about what a disciple is. He told the disciples right before he was to go up to the heaven, you know, right after the cross, he said, go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. He said, go make disciples. A disciple is one that Know Jesus that the Lord and Savior. Right, they make that they, they make a relationship with Him. We see that you should go and you know make disciples, baptizing them. You get baptized because they got a relationship with Jesus, and then you get you know that's part of that. And then He says you teach them to obey everything. Teach them to obey the Scripture. Teach them to obey My Word. If we're going to make disciples, we need to know what that is. And so the standard definition of a disciple, see this on your note, is, is someone, someone who adheres to the teachings of another. It's a follower. It's a, it's a learner. In other words, it refers to someone who takes up the ways of someone else. It takes up the ways of someone else. When you think about Jesus, a disciple is someone who learns from him to live like him. Someone who conforms his words, his ways, to his words, and to his way. Some, in the past, some describe a disciple of Jesus, they describe it as the word, as the phrase, little Christ. Little Christ. That's what a disciple is. And here at Laypoint, we want our, our, our desire to help people to grow in their walk with God, to be an all-in disciple of Jesus. 
You know, for many churches, the end all is decision. Now listen, I love decisions. I love, last week we saw a number of people make decisions for Christ. Last month we saw about 18, 18 people get baptized. Decisions, I love that. But that's not the end game. The end game is disciples. It's making disciples. It's to help you grow and become more like Christ. That's the game. That's what we're going with. That's where we're headed. You know, we just hired uh, uh, David Goff, a, a discipleship pastor. And one of the things we're really working with, working with him, working on as a team, is, is helping, you know, what is it? What is the track? What is it that we can do to help you be a better disciple? Not just attend church on Sunday, but to, but to be a disciple on Monday and Tuesday all throughout the week. And, and, and sometimes you, you don't know what you don't know. So we're trying to figure out what is it that they need to know? What is it that they need to learn? And then there's only so much that I can do from the platform. What is, it that we, what is it that we need to help people to have a better understanding of God's word? You know, what, what is the education that we need to have understanding of scripture and then to live it out? And to, and to help it make practical and be practical and then to help you. Listen, here's the, here's the goal. It's Matthew 28, 19 and 20. To help you as a disciple, you make a disciple. See, a lot of us, we think, hey, I'm, okay, I can be a disciple, but then now the game changes when I say, now you make a disciple. Whoa, God, I don't know about that. I don't know how to do that. And that's what we want to help you with. Because if a church is going to be the church, it's not the pastor making disciples. It's not the staff making the disciples. It's people like you, disciples, making disciples. Making disciples. Our desire is to create disciples. To create disciples, making disciples, and boldly living Holy living it out in the name of Jesus. We want to see disciples that's willing to go all in, skin in the game, skin in the game. You know, today I want to, I want to push this idea today of the cost of discipleship, the unseen side of going all in, the unseen side. The, the side that's not so glamorous. You know, oftentimes we see the other side of things. We see the other side. The other side. We, we see what we see, and it looks great, looks awesome. We hear the stories. I mean, that, that sounds wonderful. For example, you know, we see a great marriage. And we say, man, I, I, I wish, you know, I wish I had a marriage that is wonderful and it's great like that. But there's an unseen side to every great marriage. To every successful marriage, there's, this, there's the unseen side, the side that you don't really see behind closed doors. You know, the, 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 the conflict that they have to work through and, and, the, and the decision and the sacrifice that they have to make and, 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 and the struggles and the early stages of their marriage. You know, it's the hard work 
Oftentimes, we see a great marriage, we say, I mean, that's wonderful, but we don't see the hard work. We don't see the hard work. You see someone else that, somebody that's financially successful. You know, and unless they inherited it, there's an unseen side to their financial success. And oftentimes, we don't see that. The unseen side of, of financial success is the sacrifice and the saving and the investing and the years and years of hard, hard work to put into it. That's the unseen side. We don't oftentimes see that. You know, you see, you know, I, I, I love, hey, I'm a, I'm a child of the 80s. And to me, I, I, I just think the NBA basketball was so much better in the 80s and the early 90s. How many of you would agree? I mean, okay, all right. I mean, it, it was, you know, bruise them, you know, crush them, dump them kind of a basketball. I mean, there, there was some real pain. And some of the best players of the 80s, one of the best players of the 80s, played for the Boston Celtics, Larry Bird. Larry Bird was a phenomenal free throw shooter. But you know what the unseen side of his success of having 90% plus free throw shooting, which is incredible? is that every day he would show up to practice two hours early, at least, and he would shoot 500 free throws before anybody else showed up. Free throws. Free throws. Just making them. That's the unseen side. We see the stats, we see the number, we see the success, but we don't oftentimes see the unseen side. And the same is true in a disciple, an island disciple of Jesus. Some people will come up and say, no, I wish I could be blessed like so-and-so. I wish I could be blessed like that believer. You know, to have the life that he or she is living out. But before you say that, let's take a look at the unseen qualities of the island disciple. Three qualities that you need to know about when it comes to the unseen side of things. Now, let, let me just kind of as a disclaimer here before we get started here. As, as I share these qualities, they are not meant to scare you. Y'all with me? They're, they're not meant to scare you, but instead it's meant to help you to understand what it takes, what it means, to have skin in the game, to take up your cross, and to follow me. So let's, look, let's, let's jump into this. Ready? Number one, an Arlen disciple will experience pain. Will experience pain. If you're going to deny self, die to self, and devote yourself to Jesus Christ, then you better get ready for it. Pain, it's gonna happen. In fact, it's painful when you're making a difference in the kingdom of God. In John chapter 15, verse number 18, Jesus said this to the disciples, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. He said, if you belong to the world, it's going to love you as its, as its own. But as it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. 
you realize that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the world is going to hate you. You're going to be rejected. You're going to be despised. You're going to be mocked. You're going to be misunderstood, be persecuted. You'll be canceled. No, I don't want to be canceled. Hey, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, mark my word, you will be canceled. I've often said that if you're you're being persecuted for your faith, if you're being canceled for your faith, don't worry. You have no reason to worry. In fact, I often say this, worry if you're not being persecuted. Worry if you're not being canceled by the world. Because if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you will experience pain. Now, here's the odd thing, and this is crazy to me. But many people come to God, many people come to God hoping to eliminate pain. And there's a kind of a false teaching out there that if you come to God, that that everything is going to be A-OK. That if you come to God, that everything will be wonderful and great. And so we have a lot of so-called Christ followers whose goal is to live in a very insulated environment where we are surrounded only by church people. We have, a very, we have our own little Christian circle where we all speak in our little Christianese. Our goal is to safe little insulated life. And if that's your goal, listen, if that is your goal, safety in the absence of pain, if that's your goal, then you are following a false God. You say, whoa, that's right. You're following a false God. I've said it before, I've said it many times, is that, that Jesus he didn't die on the cross so that you and I could live safe lives. You know, he, he died on the cross so that you and I, we could live by faith so that we could die to self and live through Christ. And you know who understood this? The very first church. They understood this. They got this. I mean, all the disciples, they graduated when Jesus went to the heaven. You know, graduated and, and, and they became apostles, right? And, 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 and they're, they're, they're starting churches, they're preaching the gospel, and they didn't get a bunch of attaboys. They didn't get a bunch of high fives. In fact, all of them were persecuted. They were persecuted for their faith in Christ. It wasn't safe. It wasn't safe. Peter, the apostle Peter, he said this in First Peter chapter 4. He said, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. I love the message translation. Since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourself with the same attitude that he had and Peter said, be ready to suffer. Be ready to suffer as well. 
Where is that message being preached today in our churches? I mean, it's not a a popular message, that's for sure. But we've got to be ready to suffer. That's an unseen side. And you need to understand it clearly. If you're an all-in disciple, you will be rejected. You will be canceled. You will be mocked and persecuted. And when you are, listen to me, and when you are, embrace it. That's right. Embrace it. Embrace it because it's not your home anyway, right? If you are a Christ follower, you are not of this world. Your home is is on the other side of eternity in heaven. And a lot of people would say, well, Scott, you know, how come you and Karen, you know, you guys got everything going incredible. Everything's perfect. Everything's awesome. Listen, you haven't seen the... You haven't seen the pain, the unseen side. Yes, we have an amazing life, and we love it. We love what God is doing. We wouldn't change it for the world. But pain, oh, man, I kid you not. <laughs> it's there. We feel it. I mean, I mean, come on, on Sunday morning, we get a Jesus smile on. <laughs> you know, but there are times during the week, man, there's pain, and it hurts. You know, we, we, I've seen people, you know, leave the church because of biblical position that is not popular with the culture. And people say, well, I can't believe you stand for that. I thought we were supposed to be, you know, non-judgmental. I said, hey, I still love people. People matter. But I'm also going to please God, number one. And it may not be popular to take stand against the culture of this world. And I've, I've had people leave. I have people blast me out on social media. I, I have, I've, I've received the emails. It's painful. And it used to bother me. It used to bother me out like crazy. But then I got to a place where I started, you know what, I'm embracing it. I don't like it. I don't want people to leave. I don't want people to be mad at me. But at the end of the day, I have the fear of God and not the fear of man. And when you have the fear of God, when you go all in with the fear of God, listen, there's going to be pain. And you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay. It used to bother me, but now I embrace it. I count it now. As one of the greatest honor in my life to suffer just a fraction of what Christ did for me. Let's suffer pain. All in disciple. Number two. Y'all with me? Say amen. amen. All right. I don't want to make sure y'all falling asleep. And say, man, God, I was hoping to come in here and laugh a little bit. I'll get you to laugh a little bit, okay? Just tie in there. I might step on some toes this morning. And that's okay. We need, we need, I need my toes to step on every now and then. Okay, we all need it. You know, that's where the Holy Spirit starts to convict. And that's, that's good. That's a good thing. So if you start feeling a little pain today in your heart, that's a good thing. Embrace it. Let's say, God, we're trying to speak to me today. Number two, an Arlen disciple will take bold risk. Bold risk. I've got two Bible stories that come to mind here. The first one is the parable of the talents. You know this story. If you don't, real quickly, 
Jesus told a story about a master. He had three servants. He said, guys, I'm going away for, for a little bit. I'm gonna, I want you guys to take some talents. I want you to invest in it. I want you to multiply the talents I give you. He gives one guy five talents. He gives the, th the second guy two talents. He gives the third guy one talent. Guy number one, guy number two went out and invested their talents. In fact, they doubled up their talent. They took risks. And they saw fruit from their risks. They saw return from their risks. Guy number three, if you know the story, what did he do? He buried it. He thought, hey, you know what? I'm going to play it safe. I don't want to lose it. I know the talent matters. It's important to my master. I don't want to take any chances. And so he guarded that talent. He played it safe. The master came back. And he said, guys, I'm going to see what you've done. Guy, you know, number, guy number one, guy number two. They said, master, we've doubled our investment. Master said, well done. Guy number three said, master, you know, I played it safe. I took no risk. I buried it. I didn't gain. I didn't lose. Here it is. And the master looked at him and said, you are a wicked and a lazy servant. And Jesus said that this master cast him out in the outer darkness. This brings us to where we are modern-day believers. A lot of believers, again, we're playing it safe. We don't take risks. We guard what we have. We bury the true treasure. We don't take the risk. We don't take risks. We play it safe. Here's another story. It's in Acts chapter 19. Let me give you the background here. And for some reason, this story is, 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 is for some odd reason. It cracked me up. I don't know why it does, but it kind of cracked me up a little bit. You know, and, and so here's the story. There's seven sons of Sceva. Seven sons of Sceva, seven brothers. They, they have saw some of the apostles and disciples nearby casting out demons. And so they thought, man, oh, let's, let us do that too. Let us go out and try to cast some demons out. And so they're going out and about, and they came up to a guy that was possessed with an, possessed with an evil spirit. And, and so they, they said to that guy, come out in the name of Jesus, come out. And the evil spirit speaks to this man and said, hey, we know Jesus. We, we know Paul, but we don't know you. And the Bible says here, look what happens here in verse number 16. Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, and overpowered them all. How many of them? Seven. Seven sons of Sceva. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. So they went in with good intentions, with a lot of risk, with a lot of faith, and they got beat up, ran out of the house naked and afraid. I mean, these guys were a mess. And you would say, man, they failed, didn't they? Well, on paper and right here in this moment, yeah, it sounds like they failed. But what we don't see later on in the story is we see something incredible. So many people were overwhelmed with the name of Jesus, what the name of Jesus must have meant to these seven sons of Sceva that the majority of time they saw the risk. And so you know what? They were willing to risk it all that the whole town 
almost the entire town came to know Christ because seven guys took a crazy risk. But in the moment, maybe lost their dignity. But the loss, the risk, had a great return. And a lot of Christians, a lot of so-called, a lot of so-called Christ followers want to eliminate all risk out of their lives. And yet the Bible says that we need to learn to walk by faith. Right? Walk by faith. Not by sight. We want to see things, don't we? We want to have it all figured out. We want one plus one to equal two. And if it doesn't add, it, add up, if it doesn't make sense, we say, whoa, 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 it's too much of a risk. But God said that you cannot please him without what? Faith. You cannot please him without faith. Now, if you're taking notes, what is it that we take a risk? You take a risk. Your willingness, your willingness to risk is based on a potential return. Your willingness to risk is based on a potential return. Are you going to take a risk? Well, it depends on the return, right? It depends on the return. Let me, let me give you a couple of scenarios. Think about this. If, you're a, if your house or your apartment's on fire, it's burning up, and you run out, and you realize after you got out, you escape, you're fine, but then you realize in that flaming house, you realize that your goldfish is still in the house. How many of you will take the risk and go back into the house to save a goldfish. Good. No one raised their hand. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you raise your hand, I'm going to help you with counseling or something. <laughs> Look at it like this, then. Different scenario. You get out. You know, the house is on fire. You get out of the house, you're okay. Then you realize that your child's still in the house. How many of you run in the back of the house? There you go. Yeah. Right, because the return is worth the risk. It's worth it. Here's another one. Let's say I'm going to give you a chance to make a bet. Now, we're in church. We're not going to really make a bet, okay? But let's just, for, you know, for giggles, play with me, okay? We're going to make a bet. I say, you give me $100, and I'll give you a 50-50 chance of winning 10 bucks. So if you win... You get $110. You get $100 plus $10. If you lose, you lose your 100 bucks. How many says, God, I'm in that bet. All right, good. No one needs to go to Gambler Anonymous. All right, good. 50-50 bet. I said, give me $100. Put $100 in the pot. You have a 50-50 chance of winning a million dollars. 50-50 chance. I'm going to say, somebody's like, ah, I'm in. <laughs> Come in. <laughs> of course, that's a gambling drama, but I'm in. <laughs> you know, 50-50 chance, you know, because we know that the return is worth the risk. The return is worth the risk. And sometimes people ask me, Scott, why, why are you so passionate about God? Why are you so passionate about church? Why are you so passionate about Jesus? And, and I'll tell you why. Because I, I, as much as I've surveyed life, I cannot find any place 
in my life where the return is greater than what I'm doing here. I can't. I can't find a single place. You, you show me something. You show me something that has more value eternally than what I'm doing now, then I'll quit what I'm doing here. And with every bit of passion inside of me, I will go after that thing that has a bigger eternal value, eternal rewards. You cannot find any place where the return is greater than the cause of Jesus Christ going all in for him. Why is it that people in the church today don't want to take risks? Why is it that we want to bury our talents, play it safe? And I think about some of the things that we got going on. You ready for some toe stepping? All right, let's step on some toes. Uh, Y'all get ready now. Got small groups coming up. Small groups. That's starting in two weeks. Some of you love small groups. Some of you crave it. But some of you are like, man, I don't know. I feel like it might be a little weird showing up at someone's house to hang out with people that I don't really know. I mean, I've got, I got my mess, I got my stuff, my issues, and I don't know that that's anybody else's business. I, I'm not sure. You know what, God, I'm gonna play it, I'm gonna, I want to play it safe. I'm, I'm better doing life on my own. And you've forgotten. You've forgotten the potential return when you do life together with others. I'm gonna challenge you, jump into a group. Sign up for small groups. We've got, man, look in your programs. We've got the awesome list of groups right here. You can sign up, you can go online. Sign up, I'll be a part of a group. It's not, hey, listen, this is not a lifelong commitment here. These classes are eight to 10 weeks, eight to 10 weeks. We got something going on almost every day of the week, getting small groups. Some of you, you're afraid to give generously to God. You're afraid. You're afraid, God, I, I don't know that I can. You know, the Bible says that we should give a tithe. That we should tithe a 10% to the Lord. Now, some of you don't tithe. You don't give 10% of your income because it's too big of a risk. I've oh, got too much going on. The economy's going on. I mean, there's too much of a risk. And I, we're, told, we're told to kind of buckle down a little bit. It's too much of a risk to give to God. And you'd rather hold on to it rather than trusting God with it. You see, you've forgotten. You've forgotten the potential return when Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Ooh, it got quiet in here. Man, my hearing is not working, I don't think. Quiet. Hey, you rob yourself a blessing. You rob yourself a blessing. You forget the potential return when you obey God with the tithe. See, he blesses you in ways that you cannot even contain. You know, here's what I've learned when it comes to trusting God with my tithe, I can't outgive God. I can't. And I'm better off living on 90% than I can on 100%. And 
and it's one of the greatest joys that I can do. To say that I trust God, but to, put, to have a little skin in the game. Oh, I trust God and have skin in the game. Have some skin in the game. And be faithful in the way that you give. Moving on, moving on. We know that in the area of serving, we know that we should probably serve as a part of the body of Christ. But some of you don't serve because you think you're not good enough or you don't have enough time to serve. You're too busy. And so you have forgotten the return because the potential return. You have forgotten about the potential return because you can truly be great. You can truly be great. The greatest of these is the one who serves. Jesus, he came to serve, not to be served. The return is worth the risk. Sharing our faith. What a risk. Oh, what a risk. It's, oh, man. You know, I, I, I could talk to people about sports and the weather. I, I could talk about a lot. Of, you know, I could talk to people about politics, but, man, the moment. And listen, I can even talk about God. But the moment that I say the J word, Jesus, woo you know, I get a little nervous. A little sweat starts to build up in my hand, and my knees start to knock a little bit because, you know, that's not a conversation that a lot of people are crazy to talk about. But the conversation, listen, it's a conversation that matters. You see, you know what's not going to matter 100 years from now, 1,000 years from now? Sports, politics, the weather. You know what's going to matter 100 years, 1,000 years, eternity years away? that conversation about Jesus. It's worth the risk. It's worth the risk all day long. It's worth the risk. In your chairs, we've got these little baggies, invite cards. I encourage you to take some of these cards and then invite someone to a special service here in a few weeks. Three services, Saturday night and two on Sunday morning, to hear a former mobster Talk about going all in. When he went all in, he knew that there, he could be taken out in a hurry. But he was willing to take the risk to tell people about Jesus. I promise you, this could be one of the most impactful weekends we have this year. And it's awesome to take these and invite someone to church, invite someone to sit with you so that they can hear the message of salvation through a story of a man Whose life, whose life was so lost, who found Christ. It's worth the risk. My friend, it's worth the risk all day long. Ready? Good job. Number three, we'll finish up here. An all-in disciple will suffer loss. Man, I wish I could have three on the same side that's a little bit more fun. But man, this is it. This is where the, this is where the rubber meets the road, right? And all in disciple are going to suffer loss. Matthew chapter 16, verse 25. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. People say, listen, God, i got to find my life. i, I got to find meaning. I got to find meaning. So, you know, maybe it's in a new job. Maybe it's in a new uh, uh, house, new car. Maybe they got to find meaning in a new relationship. You know, people say, I've got to find my life. I've got to find my life. You want to find it? Lose it. 
Lose it. Lose your life in Christ so that you can find it in him. I'm on the search for something. We're in it. In the church. Lose your life. It's the unseen side of an all-in disciple. Now, that a word for loss. It's the word sacrifice. If you've been around late point long enough, you might have heard me say this definition of sacrifice. And that is, this is what it is. It's giving up something we love for something that we love a whole lot more. That's sacrifice. It's something that you love. It's giving up something you love for something that we love a whole lot more. That's sacrifice. It's a loss for gain. In Luke chapter 5, we see some businessmen. We know them as fishermen, but that's what their family business. They've been passed down from generation to generation to generation. This was their livelihood. This wasn't a hobby that they did on the weekend. This was, this was their living. And, 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 and they're working, and one day Jesus shows up. This a miracle. And then he looks at the fishermen, and notice what he said. He said, well, you guys like to change the world? He said, you guys want to make a difference? Here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to lose your life to do it. You're going to have to lose it. So I'm going to invite you to, to drop your net. I'm going to invite you to follow me and to stop chasing after fish. I'm not going to give you something a whole lot better than that. I'm going to let you fish for men. And here's what they did. Bible said in Luke chapter 5, verse 11, they pulled their boats up on shore, and look at the next two words, left everything and followed him. They left their family business. They left their financial security. They left it. They left everything. You see, they left everything that they loved for something that they loved a whole lot more. And I was making a difference for Jesus by reaching people. Like, friend, what's holding you back? Got to go all in. And for some of you, you got most of it in. You got this one chip. But Scott, I, I kind of love this chip. I, I'm not ready to put this in. I got 99 out of 100. And it's a little thing. This is mine. This is, huh, God can't touch this. I love this. And all in disciple. Says, God, I love God. Even though I love this, I love Jesus more than this chip. I'm all in. Take away what's holding you back. What's holding you back? What is it? Hey, here's my challenge for you this week. You ready? I'm gonna, I, I want you to think about it. And it's on the back of your connection card, but my challenge is, and maybe you're here and say, man, God, I want to be all in, but there's something that's holding me back. And because you're holding back, you're missing out. You are missing out. I'm holding back. Maybe you're holding back in the area of serving. Maybe you're holding back in the way you're, and you're giving. Maybe you're holding back in some other area. 
I'm holding back. And I want you to share that with someone this week. Oh, now, now God, we're getting personal. Yeah, share it. Share it with someone that you can trust. Share that, what's holding you back. Share it with someone, say, hey, this is what's holding me back. Will you pray for me? Share it. Share it. That's your takeaway. That's my challenge for every one of us here this morning. A disciple of Christ knows the unseen side. He knows that it's no longer about me. It's all about him. If there's pain, if there's pain, I count it an honor to suffer in the name of the Lord who died for me. If there's risk, I take it willingly and believe by the faith, believe by faith, not by sight, that God will empower it. And if there's loss, who cares? If there's loss, who cares? Because the eternal gain is worth it. Right? It's absolutely worth it. There's an unseen side of going all in, skinning the game. But it costs you something. But the mission is clear. The mission is the same. Helping people take the next step with God. No matter what the pain, no matter what the risk, no matter what the loss. I challenge you. I invite you to live a life of all in. Our Heavenly Father, we ask you to help us today. Challenge us, God, in any area of our lives. Search my heart, oh God. And if there's something that I'm holding out on, God, may you reveal that to me so that I can push it all in. I want to be an all-in disciple for you. I want to live this one and only life I have to make a true difference for you. God, help me this week. God, help us this week to, to share that with someone. To have a conversation, to have someone pray about that one thing, maybe just a couple of things that we're holding back. God, I pray that we understand this because we're holding back. If we are holding back, we are missing out. God, I pray that none of us miss out on what you want us to do in this life. In Jesus' name, amen.